Welcome to A Crash Investigation, the podcast. This show we dissect some of the most memorable and forgotten crashes in aviation history. Now, before we continue, I do have to say that I apologize for not uploading yesterday and the day before yesterday. It's just that life got a little bit busy. But since I am releasing the third episode today, I will release the third, the fourth and final episode tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. But in this episode, we'll be talking about the last two jets that crashed on 9-11, American Airlines Flight 77 and United Airlines Flight 93. This is the third episode of a four-part series, so if you haven't checked it out, I suggest you go do so. It is titled the 9-11 series, and then it just adds like Al-Qaeda or the other airplanes that crashed that day. But also, I do have to preface that this episode contains content about trauma, murder, suicide, and more. So if you do not feel comfortable with those topics, I suggest you skip this episode and I hopefully we'll see you in the next one. But with all of that logistics part out of the way, I hope you guys are excited because I am and without wasting many more of your time, let us get into it. Let's go. Okay, so American Airlines Flight 77 was a scheduled flight for September 11th, 2001, and was coming from Washington, Dallas, or Dallas International Airport, Washington, Virginia. And it was headed to Los Angeles International Airport, Los Angeles, California. Its call sign was American 77, and for the sake of not getting confused with the other airplane which is a part of this series, we'll be referring to this flight slash airplane as American 77. The aircraft in question was a Boeing 757-223 and there were 58 passengers on board and this includes the hijackers. Now the crew. In the cockpit there was 51-year-old Captain Charles Bellingham and first officer Charles and first officer rather David Charles Boy who was 39 years old at the time of the hijacking. There were also purser Renee May and three flight attendants who were Michelle Haydingberger, Jennifer Lewis and Kenneth Lewis. I do not know if they were married or not. They were just flight attendants. However, there were five hijackers on board and they were Hani Hanjo, Khalid Al-Milhadar, Majed Moked, Salim Al-Hamzi and Nawaf Al-Hamzi. I think they were brothers or cousins, but they were related in some form okay so honey hanjo in particular trained at the crm airline training center in arizona and in 1999 he received a commercial pilot certificate from the federal aviation association after he received his certificate he could not find a job and as a result he started showing and i quote his attention towards religious texts and cassette tapes of militant islamic preachers end quote now, honestly, I think that it's ironic that a person who became a hijacker and actually crashed a plane was actually given a pilot's license by the FAA. That is so ironic to me, to be honest, because they are supposed to be the people that are just like holding the standard of airmanship and all of that. But then there was a hijacker on board who actually had a pilot's license, meaning that they could actually fly a plane. That is very weird. But let's continue. So hijackers Khalid Al-Midhar and Majed Moked set the metal detectors off at the airport. And as per standard procedure, they were selected for a second screening. Even with the second screening, Majed Moked set the detector off again. 
Now I have to mention that in 2001, utility knives were still allowed to be on board an aeroplane as long as they were 4 inches or 10,16 centimeters or less. As you can hear, that is a very, very, very huge blade that was still allowed to be in an aeroplane inside the cabin. That is way suspicious and to be honest, I feel like the hijackers had it easy here. Had that not been the case, of course the hijacking might have taken place, but it would have been way more harder for them to actually do this. They wouldn't have like killed as many people as they did by stabbing them and just like causing all of that trauma to these people that passed away unfortunately prematurely. Now, the actual flight. Okay, so at 6 minutes to 9 a.m., American 77 was flying over Pike County, Ohio, when it started deviating from its scheduled flight path and started turning south. Now, between 8.51 and 8.54 a.m., that was the last radio communication that came from American 77. Then at 4 minutes to 9 a.m., American 77's transponder was switched off and instead the hijackers turned on the autopilot and set it to a coordinate which flew the plane east heading towards Washington, D.C. So now as soon as Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower, the first plane to crash on 9-11, right? American Airlines Vice President Gerard Arpe ordered a nationwide grounding for all American Airlines planes. As soon as they could not contact American 77, the Indian Indianapolis Air Traffic Control and the American Airlines dispatchers tried again to contact the flight, but their attempts were unsuccessful. Then at 29 minutes past 9 a.m., the hijackers disengaged the autopilot and started flying the plane manually. Okay, then when all hope was lost, the Dallas International Airport's air traffic controller saw that American 77 returned back onto their radar, but it was approaching Washington, D.C. and was turning and descending rapidly. So at first, the air traffic controls thought that it was a military plane due to the large speed of the aircraft, and Daniel O'Brien, who was the air traffic controller at Dallas International Airport at the time, said, and I quote, the speed, the maneuverability, the way that he turned, we all thought in the radar room. All of us have, all of us experienced air traffic controllers that it was a military plane. You don't fly a 757 in that manner. It's unsafe. Now, as a result, a Regan Airport air traffic controller who was monitoring the plane's movements asked the passing a Na National Guard Lockheed C dash 130 Hercules to follow American 77. Now the pilot of that plane, Lieutenant Colonel Stephen O'Brien, told the air traffic control that it was a Boeing 757 or 767 due to the silver fuselage of the plane. He concluded that it was an American Airlines jet. Now he then saw that it was approaching the Pentagon and at this point, seeing as though two planes crashed already in like such a huge place like Manhattan, New York. Can you imagine all of like the ringing bells that are coming to you when you hear that a plane is approaching the Pentagon? And do you think that it is hijacked? I mean, one plus one is equaling two at this point. Okay, then, <laughs> at the time, 
American 77, was 5 miles or 8 kilometers southwest of the Pentagon. Then it made a 330-degree spiral turn clockwise. At the end of the turn, American Airlines 77 was descending at 2,200 feet or 670 meters and was still pointing towards the Pentagon and downtown Washington. Seeing as though he was close to the Pentagon, Hanjia advanced the throttles to their maximum power and dove towards the Pentagon. When they were a few meters from the Pentagon, American 77's wings clipped and broke five street lamps and the right wing actually struck a generator, which then created a smoke trail seconds before hitting the Pentagon. That is really scary. And then finally, unfortunately, honestly, at 23 minutes to 10, at 530 miles per hour, 853 kilometers per hour, 237 miles per second or 460 knots american 77 crashed into the pentagon on the west side in arlington county virginia when this airplane crashed the front of the fuselage disintegrated and the tail sections debris was still moving and that was the one that moved the furthest into the pentagon when i say that i mean the tail section of the entire plane and if you actually think about it, the tail is at the back, right? So when this airplane, American 77, crashed into the Pentagon, and it was crashing at level, as I'd like to believe, at the level, and it crashed into the Pentagon, but then the tail flew past the actual airplane and actually went further. If you think about it, that sounds like from a, it's from a movie. But it actually wasn't. It happened in real life on this planet in 2001. And that's only like 20 years ago. Wow. Now, at the Pentagon itself, 189 people died. And this includes the 64 people on board. And the 124 people that were in the building at that time... As we have to preface again, it was at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, which means people were at work every... A lot of people were at work, a lot of people work at the Pentagon, and it, that's what makes it even more sad, in my opinion. Now, a witness, Omar Campos, said, and I quote, I was cutting the grass and it came in screaming over my head. I felt the impact. The whole ground shook, and the whole area was full of fire. I could never imagine not see anything like that. End quote. Now at 21 minutes to 10, Jim, I do not know how to say his name, Miklaus Zekski, who was in the Pentagon at the time but wasn't by the west side, he said, and I quote, I do not want to alarm anybody right now, but apparently it flew just a few moments ago like there was an explosion of some kind here at the Pentagon. End quote. And finally, the last report that I'd like to read for you is from a reporter, Mike Walter, who said, and I quote, I looked out my window and I saw this plane, this jet, an American Airlines jet, coming. And I thought, this doesn't add up. It is really low. And I saw it. I mean, it was like a cruise missile with wings. It went straight right there and slammed right into the Pentagon. And that was the last information regarding the actual crash. That is a lot. And I feel like, yes, a movie was made 
where Whoopi Goldberg, that Whoopi Gold, Goldberg starred in, I do not know what it's called, but I know she starred in a movie where they actually like reenacted this specific crash, not everything, but like this specific crash in relation to the Pentagon. So if you want to go check it out, I suggest you just Google Whoopi Goldberg 9-11 movie. I'm sure you're going to find it somewhere there. But let us move on for the sake of time. And we are going to United Airlines Flight 93. Okay, so this was a scheduled flight from Newark International or Newark Liberty International Airport and was going to San Francisco International Airport. The aircraft was a Boeing 757-222 and its call sign was United 93. Now I'm going to say this again for the sake of not getting confused because the two airlines, I'm not talking about the four planes, the two airlines that were involved in this were United Airlines and American Airlines. So, trying not to get confused here, we'll refer to United Airlines Flight 93 as United Airlines Flight 93 or Flight 93, which is what I'll refer to it as throughout the entire thing. Okay, so on board, there were 37 people, and this includes the pilots, flight attendants, and the hijackers. The captain of the flight was Jason Dahl, who was 40 years old, and first officer Leroy Homer Jr., who was 36 years old. The flight attendants were Lorraine Bay, Sandra Bradshaw, Wanda Green, CC Lights, and Deborah Welsh. The hijackers on board Flight 93 were Ahmed Al Nami, Ahmed Al Na, Ahmed Al Hazanawi, oh my God, and Said Al Gamdi. Oh, yes, I left as Ziad Chara. Yes. So there was supposed to be a fifth hijacker on this flight, Mohammed Al Katani. But when he was questioned by the officials at the airport on talking about Newark International, the officials thought that he was acting suspicious. And as a result, he was sent back to Dubai and eventually Saudi Arabia. So they kind of did their job on that one. But regardless, they were still hijackers on board. Okay, Whew. while the attacks were happening all around Washington, D.C., several air traffic control officials started issuing warnings to aeroplanes using the Aircraft Communication Addressing and Reporting System, or ACAS. I mean, if you have been listening to me for a while, you know that we talk about the ACAS system a lot. But Ed Ballinger, who was a United Airlines flight dispatcher was responsible for relaying the hijacking warning and for controlling the multiple aeroplanes that were in the air. Now, at 21 minutes past 9 a.m., the air traffic control received a routine ACAS message from Flight 93. Then, Ed Ballinger sent an ACAS message to Flight 93 and it read, and I quote, Beware any cockpit intrusion. Two aircraft hit the World Trade Center, end quote. Now, when the cockpit received this message, Captain Dahl did not understand the message and sent a response message that said, and I quote, Ed, confirm latest message, please. Jason, end quote. Now, after that, the crew of Flight 93 released one more routine transmission, and after that transmission, the, after that transmission, rather, it was the last time they actually heard from Flight 93 ever. Now, at 29 minutes past 9 a.m., that is the belief time that Flight 93 was hijacked. 
Now, at this time, Flight 11 and United 175 already crashed into both the Twin Towers and American 77 was nine minutes away from the Pentagon. Now, even on this flight, the hijackers were threatening a bomb on board and one of the hijackers said, and I quote, Ladies and gentlemen, hear the captain. Please sit down. Keep remaining seating. We have a bomb on board, so sit. Now, this statement was mistakenly transmitted to air traffic control. And do not think that I made a mistake when saying that sentence. I just don't think that they knew English as fluently as most of us do because I feel like English for us is a first language and for them it's not. But let's continue. Okay, so a passenger revolt started at 3 minutes to 10 and this was when the passengers attacked a hijacker with glass, plates and the sound and there were sounds of crashing. Now, in response, the hijacker started maneuvering the plane violently in order to make the passengers stop fighting them. Now, before I continue with the actual crash, I do want to The fact that those passengers decided to start fighting at least one hijacker, even though they weren't successful, but the fact that they were so brave that they decided that they want to go and fight a hijacker, it is honestly really impressive to me, and they're courageous, and honestly, they deserve the highest honor ever. But now back to the bad stuff. Back to the bad stuff. Okay. So now at 3 minutes past 10 a.m., Flight 93 crashed into a field near Indian Lake and Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Now when it crashed, it was traveling at 56 miles per hour. No, that is wrong. I think it was 506 miles per hour, 906 kilometers per hour, 252 miles per second, or 489 knots at a 40 degree nose down inverted altitude. Now, the impact site was 8 to 10 feet or 3 meters deep, and it was 30 to 50 feet or 12 meters wide. Now, the people that were still alive at the time of the impact, as in they were not stabbed or killed by the hijackers on board, they died from blunt force trauma. Now, a CNN correspondent, Aaron Brown, said, and I quote, we are getting reports and we want to be very careful when we have confirmed them or not, but we have a report that a 747 is down in Pennsylvania and that remains unconfirmed at this point. We have a report now that a cargo plane crashed this morning north of the Somerset Country Airport, which is in western Pennsylvania, not too terribly far from Pittsburgh, about 80 miles or so of Boeing 767 jet. Don't know whose airline it was, whose aeroplane it was, and we do not have any details beyond that which I have just given you. End quote. Now, that is the end of this episode. It was kind of wild, the fact that I was just like so relaxed. You know, usually I'm just like all strict. But honestly, like actually doing this series, it has honestly taught me a lot about 9-11 because... Here in South Africa, we don't really get taught about 9-11 in like our history books. But based on the things that I've already learned before actually researching for this series, I've realized that the information that we have been taught has been limited because we have just been taught that, oh no, it was hijacked and then it crashed and it's the Americans' fault that they did blah, 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 blah. When it's like 
we do not really care whose fault it was the fact of the matter is that this not even accident this malicious intent killed so many people for absolutely no reason just because they were not happy with america which is honestly really disappointing and saddening to hear i mean of course now and yes this is like kind of a sneak peek into the actual investigation part but of course our not even our because i'm not even american but the americans whole change of their faa yes it has changed i mean 9-11 was horrible like brutal 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 uh, but we know at this point that that will never ever happen again that will never ever 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 i mean yes there are some loopholes but it'll never happen again the way it happened during 9-11 and i feel like as soon as the faa decided to change their whole system in the united states all other countries soon followed now i do not know about south africa south africa is a lost cause in and of itself but i feel like the other countries such as uk australia france the western the eastern countries rather i feel like they've changed the way that they see uh safety in the airplane side aspect but also the people that are on the ground such as the people that work at the airports and how screening is done and how and when if you feel like this person is acting suspicious don't let them on board because they actually might hijack a plane they might kill someone on board but yes i hope that you learned a lot with me being all this relaxed but thank you so much for listening i'm going to upload this now so that you guys can listen very yes and tomorrow or the day after tomorrow i'll definitely have the last episode and then you won't see me for another week or two and yes thank you so much for listening and i'll see you tomorrow or the day after tomorrow cheers